Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another debriefing with Peter and Matt. How you doing, Pete? How's your week? What's new? Um, today, for this week, I'm wearing a MedSurge shirt, MedSurge t-shirt, because I've been fooling a lot. I wasn't my typical ICU nerfing self, but you did your first long contract. That's some big news. How'd everything go? How was it? You stressed out or what? Yeah, it was like riding a bike again. I was very anxious when I all started. Uh, but just to kind of bring it back, just so you guys know the process of how this works. So I got a hold of the agency, did the screening process, the checklist, like I talked about last week. And I was just waiting for a phone call to see what's available. So other agencies might do th things differently with this recruiter. She texts me, hey, this hospital needs you for these three days. I'm just like, okay, I'll come in that day. What's the hourly rate? Just so I know what I'm getting paid and what charting system, because I don't want to go back to Meditech, to be honest. So she said, that's good. Okay. I get a screenshot of me calling, like, you know, the, the program of getting my logins. And I did that, showed up in the morning, woke up at 4.50 a.m. And that was a, the first time in like two months. Uh, took an Uber to work. So that, you know, had to be that all planned out. Went to the supervisor's office, told her I'm here. She kind of helped me, guided me to the ICU, walked in, and I started my first day shift of 2022. Uh, let me tell you guys, it was a little bit of a fluster because I got there and I noticed the patient that I got is in VTAC. And, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be interesting. And even though welcome he was- back. A, What's up? What's up? I'm going to welcome back. That's how I felt on top of trying to figure out charting, trying to grab a phone, uh, the supply rooms are different. There's no rooms anywhere. It's like a unit. It's, it looks like a 25 plus bed unit. That's just a straight shot across. So in between these nursing stations are just open doorways that you could just grab supplies. Some of them are locked up in like a Pixis type of thing, like the fluids, but you could just open it and grab it. There's no lock codes. So there's no doors to enter anything unless it's like a sort of utility room. And it was just very busy. I wasn't able to look at my charts or do anything like the regular, um, I would say night shift. I had a hard time figuring out Epic because you would think that notes is a universal word, but they have a different words like documentation. Oh, you mean Cerner? Cerner, yeah, I should Cerner. say. Yes, Cerner. Um, so anyways, yeah, that was very busy because what are we doing with this patient? Troubleshooting. And one thing that was a theme I noticed on my shift is just communication. It was very frustrating going back and forth, trying to do things. For example, what are we doing with this VTAC? Talk to the physician. Okay, just do another bolus. Try to get an EKG. Okay, let's, um, and this was throughout my shift with this guy. And he was pretty stable. He wasn't um, in pulseless VTAC or anything, but he came in for sepsis, very sick, had a CVA. They started heparin. They stopped heparin because he he tran it transformed into like hemorrhages. So he was just very out of it. Had potential endocarditis. Can't do a TE because he's too unstable on pressors and all that jazz. So uh, then he converted back, went back into VTAC. And what are we doing here? Talked to the cardiologist. He said, "Let's cardiovert him, and then start lidocaine." Just I'm like, okay, sounds good. Okay. Those are my orders. Told the intensivist, Hey, we need to cardiovert this guy. And then the intensivist is like, I don't do cardioversion. So, and then he just kind of walks away and I'm just like, Hmm, how nursing feels on days. I'm the middleman trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. I, I went up to him. I'm like, Hey, 
I think this is something you need to figure out with the physician. You guys should talk it out. I don't want to be the middleman. Told him straight up. He couldn't, he couldn't not disagree. So I paged a cardiologist to his phone and they didn't do a cardio version because for one, we never did a TE. What if he has a bunch of micro clots in there that could make the situation worse? So instead I gave another amyo bolus, didn't do anything. So then towards the end of my shift, I did a lidocaine bolus and then started him on a lidocaine drip with the amyo. And that kind of converted him back to a sinus rhythm slash AFib with a bundle branch block. And he was just going back and forth. So uh, not to mention going a lot of, lot, lot of negatives because there was a lot of negatives in this shift low key. So bad note taking, again, communication, right? The theme. No one knew when it was the last dialysis treatment for this guy. Some nurse told me he did dialysis on him yesterday. There was no notes. One nursing, uh, not nursing, one uh, physician student said that it was Saturday, but today was Monday. So Maybe this guy needs some fluids pulled, but no one made a note when dialysis was pulled. No one charted it. And that just made things more frustrating because you're trying to put a puzzle piece together with missing pieces. How can you do that? Uh, and then the same thing, the, the, the residents or the, the physician students were saying, they just don't know what's going on. So that just, that just confused things, made it frustrating. People weren't charting things. For example, he had a subclavian dialysis catheter I didn't know about. He had, uh, he had an ileostomy, which wasn't really charted, or a urostomy. He had both. So a lot of things were just charted, not charted and neglected, which upset me. I talked to other uh, day shift nurses, and they, and they mentioned a hospital that this agency works with as well. And they said, this is like a palace compared to things. I'm like, whoa, I think I'm just way too... I got way too sucked into California nursing and made us soft because this was like some heavy stuff. I didn't eat for the first nine or 10 hours of my shift. I finally got a break at like five o'clock. I'm like, guys, let me grab a snack. So those uh, nursing breaks in Cali, they're a real thing. And the last thing that really knocked off my shoes was the inability to copy and paste. Of course, we know we can't do that. But if you're charting at eight, why can't I just copy my assessment from 12 to four and all that? So couldn't do that because their Cerner doesn't do that. And then same thing with vitals, the vitals don't transfer over. So I had to do hourly vitals manually putting it in. And at one point I charted five hours of vitals on the wrong patient. So then I had to go one by one and arch uncharted modified to switch it. So very, very frustrating. I didn't begin charting till after end of shift, my assessments. So I charted half my vitals and the rest was just patient care. Cause I was going back and forth with this guy with the VTAC. And they told me I had one of the busiest, um, one of the busiest patients. And then I had another guy, which was kind of going in and out of AFib, but with him, it was more of the dynamic of family, setting up food, doing Aki checks and just smaller tier tasks. So overall it was just very busy. I got tired. I woke up because we're recording a day after I woke up today, actually exhausted. I'm just like, dude, nursing doesn't have to be this tiring. This is just one day for me. I kind of sucked it up and hustled because I won't be back maybe for a week or two, but if you're going back to back three shifts, this is not, it's not good for me, man. It's not good for my mental health working this hard as a nurse. Yeah, for sure. It definitely threw you in the wolves. So did you get any kind of orientation then? Like, did you get a walk through unit or something by the manager? Um, so charge was very busy. I ended up asking the educator to give me a quick rundown. So he just simply said, this is how you scan meds. Oh, by the way, you don't scan meds with a wow there. Everything is through that little phone thing that you scan. 
super annoying because sometimes you click on the wrong thing or you don't know that it, it went through. So you have to go back, scan it again. Very frustrating. So you gave me a rundown of that and then kind of where the supply things are for the most part. And everything was just your own training wheels. So doing agency nursing, I think it's equivalent to travel nursing where you just got to be up on your feet, got to be quick and just you have to have to you have to have a basic nursing knowledge and experience to be comfortable because I was way out way outside of my comfort zone. And it just when I was going through the motion, I of course I felt competent with everything going on. It was just hard to get a grip of things. You know, I got a hold of my nursing care, my meds, everything was good there. I was ahead, but technically I was behind on charting. So I didn't leave till 9.05 PM because I had to catch up on charting. That was the only thing. Very meticulous charting with Cerner. Um, and pharmacy, let me tell you, pharmacy, anywhere you go, it is the same damn shit. I asked for a neosinephrine drip, didn't come on time, tubing ran dry. So I said, screw this. I just titrated up on my Levo, put that on hold, and it didn't get there until two hours later. At that point, I didn't even care about getting the damn drip. Even though I follow up with pharmacy, he's like, send me a tube, I'll tube it right up. Didn't happen. It is, it, it is what it is. It seems like it's just a common theme anywhere that you work in healthcare, that pharmacy and, and nursing. So I don't know if we have to fix staffing ratio in the pharmacy department or what can we do to improve that process, but it seems like it's an issue everywhere. Yeah, it definitely seems like healthcare and nursing care is not universal. And you, you know that firsthand working from, from Illinois, then California, then Austin, and then back to Illinois here. So did they stock pressers on, on the unit in the ICU? Great question. So Levo, I had double concentration, so that one specifically wasn't, but they do have Amio, the Amio boluses. They don't have Neosinephrine else pharmacy order, but the Levo fed it was there. Um, I don't know as far as probe and all that. I'm sure it's probably there. And fentanyl, I just didn't uh, deal with, I didn't have an intubated patient in this case. Um, but same thing with them. I was helping other nurses out. They don't have any special lock boxes for for fentanyl or anything. It's just hanging out there. And the funny thing was too, I was, I was holding all my IV tubings till the end and bags to throw them out somewhere. I'm like, where do you guys discard this in the trash? And I'm just like, all right, I got shocked because the previous contract where you were currently, they go through thongs or thongs with management to make sure you're not throwing out <laughs> tubing there because you're going to get fined for it. So how the heck are hospitals in California getting fined for this? But in Illinois, just throw it all in one spot. Interesting. Yeah, just straight business. Maybe it's like a, a cost thing or something like that. You never know those, those procedures. So then are you going to work there for three days then? No. So I only wanted to work one day. Honestly, I nursing is tough, man. I'm enjoying my break. I'm okay financially. There's no need to pick up. Again, I love to share stories. I love learning. So I might pick up next week and see where I'm going. If it's to that one hospital I mentioned, I'm not going to pick up there because they told me it's worse Where's communication? There's, it's like the the wild west, they say. So screw that. Why should I put myself in that scenario? I'm sure to make a great story to talk about it. I just don't want to go to those lines. So yeah, dude, you're, you're risking a license. You never know. And you're going to be the first one to get, to get, you know, um, uh, pulled or whatever. If, Cause they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna go after their staff. They're more likely to go after the, after agency nurse or a travel nurse because it doesn't hurt their bottom line if you think about it. Yeah, you know, so yeah. that's super scary. Yeah, and and I think so that communication, man. I agree, and I was just gonna go back to communication because same thing. Maybe that guy needs dialysis. Nephrologist probably knows a lot more. 
My other patient needed dialysis too because his creatinine was, was 10.66. Nephrologist didn't show up all, all day. And it's like, okay, how much of me as a nurse should I sacrifice? It's almost end of shift. I haven't charted. I'm hungry. Should I go out, out of my way and start calling these nephro this nephrologist to come for my two patients and ask them all this stuff? Or do I just simply let it go because I already done the best I can and they need to contribute to healthcare to where they need to show up. So it was just frustrating, man, because doctors aren't communicating to themselves. It's 21st century. What are, what are we doing here? So that was frustrating. Um, but towards the end of the shift, it was nice that like another staff nurse came by and he said, Hey, good hustle. You're honestly an awesome agency nurse, because I'm sure agency nurses get a bad rep or they're kind of like the lone wolves where they don't help out the unit. And I was actually going in there and, you know, putting in more volume for uh, other nurses or checking up on their patients when they went on lunches. So they respected me there. So that was nice knowing that, hey, it doesn't matter where you go, who you are. If you're a good nurse, you're going to get recognized for that and everything's going to be okay. And by the way, I asked a shit ton of questions, man. There was this guy that was probably doing Q1, if not times four Q1 asking this guy everything I can. And he was helpful, which was nice. So I kind of overcame my own little shit where it's okay to ask questions because we give advice. Sometimes it's hard to do it when you, when you are in your own scenario because you start overthinking like, oh my God, I'm asking the stupid question again type of thing. Yeah, right. You have to, yeah. And they always stress in this hospital where I'm working at is is notes, is nursing notes. And and before, like I, I kind of took it for granted just because the physician does a pretty the physician do a, a really good job of taking their own notes here. But I can imagine being in your situation, like how valuable would a good nursing note have been in your situation? Probably very, very valuable. Because a lot of times, you know, as nurses, we leave notes and we kind of be we're like broad, just generalized and things like that. But sometimes if, if you have, like in your case, a facility that no one takes good notes, a really good nursing note goes a really, really far away. You probably could have known when they got dialysis. You could have known the changes and all that kind of stuff instead of being left in the dark like you were. Yeah, and actually after my case, I don't know if it was a little bit of the, the conversations between cardio version of what we're doing here, but they ended up doing an incident report where I actually made a nursing note that I talked with both doctors and told them to page themselves because I guess it was an incident report that I'm being, being the middleman. They're not communicating when one person doesn't want to do anything. And same thing with like meds. You have no idea how nice it is working in Cali or where we worked, where doctors are putting their own orders in. I got constant verbal orders for little stuff. It's like, okay, let's do an amiobolus filed by one milligram an hour. And that's a whole care set protocol thing they have to activate. This is my first time working with Cerner in over a year and I have to be going through that. So that's another frustrating thing when doctors just pass things on. And it's awesome when, when in California, they, they made it a culture where doctors are doing it and that's it versus here nurses became okay with putting orders and this developed the culture of nurses always doing it where, Hey, we need some pushback there. And I think that's where, when nurses have to start like doing this change within themselves, within their units, where we have to kind of create the pushback of what are our job responsibilities and duty duties. And where are we practicing outside of our license in a way where there's a lot more error when we're putting these orders in versus another, um, another nurse. And I have another story, which blew my mind that this is happening in this hospital. So I had a other patient on a in AFib 
he converted back. And normally the protocol is to start a heparin drip, right? So in this case, they scanned it, never started it. They told me that during report two, I was like, okay, makes sense. I mean, this was two days ago or whatever. Let's just go with that. I asked for a Lovenox when the primary came. He said, and then the phys ICU physician said, no Lovenox because his creatinine is high. I'm like, okay, good point. Didn't realize that could be subtherapeutic. He could bleed out. I asked for some heparin. And then towards the end of the shift, he canceled my heparin order. I'm like, what's going on? I read a note. Cardiologist said he is on a heparin drip. ICU uh, student said he is on a heparin drip. And I'm like, okay, let me go talk to him. Hey, guys, this is a situation. He was never on a heparin drip. Why was he on a heparin drip of this is what we're supposed to be doing? Communication. Did the cardiologist actually walk into the room and check what drips is his patient on? Or did he just go off the mar off a note? and continued with this day. And this is where things get flustered. So technically this patient shouldn't have been on a heparin drip for the past two days. No one is talking about it. Nurses aren't communicating, doctors aren't communicating, and then you have bad care, bro. And it, it's very frustrating working for a place like that that does, that does that, man. It blew my mind yesterday, man. Yeah, dude, I, could, I could imagine, like that's how things fall through a cheese grater. Everyone has to keep up with the end of the bargain. You know, I know when I worked in, in Illinois, in Chicago, we put in our own orders. We were very independent as nurses, but everyone's job was upheld by them actually going in. The cardiologist round every morning, physically checked the drips every morning. So we, we had that back end. That, that's why things didn't get, get lost or, or not done like it is in your, in your situation. But you got to have the nurse and a doctor uphold what they're, what they're supposed to be doing. Because then if no one's, because a lot of our jobs overlap. Nurse is supposed to check drips. Doctor is supposed to check check drips. We check on a patient. Doctors do their rounds. And that kind of sets it up for success because maybe if the doctor doesn't come in that day, at least the nurse is checking it. But in this, in this case, it seems like shit's all over the place. And in case that no one's communicating, no one's actually doing what they signed up to be, to be doing. And that's how shit happens. And luckily, you you didn't have a worse situation than you had. Yeah, you had the guy in VTAC, but imagine if that other guy in AFib threw a cloud or something. Like, it's crazy to think about, but that's how things happen. So that's why we mentioned on a few episodes, Matt and I always going to work trying to do the best we can because we know that at least for that 12 hours, that patient is going to get everything done properly for at least that 12 hours. What happens in the next 12 hours, the next day, the next week, it's out of our hands. But we knew we came in, did exactly what we we're supposed to do, and then that's why we come out of these situations. Like, even though it was a bad situation, you probably came in or came out calm and composed because you did everything you could that shift. Yeah. You don't regret not doing something or, or regret changing this or changing that. You, you don't come out like that because there's been a handful of times where I'm sure you felt the same way where you come out of work and you were like, damn, I wish I could have done a little bit more. And you didn't. And it's like guilt that is attributed to it. So what we do now is we go into work, that 12 hours, they're ours. And we're going to do the best damn care we can with that 12 hours. It's going to suck. It might, it, might suck must, it might suck sometimes. might be really stressful sometimes. But then we know leaving work that at least for that 12 hours, the patient got everything that they needed. Yeah, 100%. I love that you mentioned that because the family of the other patient was thankful for me. And they're like, you're the second best nurse we've seen here. Um, can you take care of my dad again tomorrow? And I'm just like, one, thankful for it. I would love to, but how, I don't want to pick up a shift. And two, it's like, how come this care that I'm doing it? I don't want to, I'm going to humble myself. It's nothing spectacular. It's a, a standard I'm upholding. How come this standard is not being done across the board where I'm being flaunted 
for such great care I'm giving. I, that should be every nurse should be a daisy technically in this case. So yeah, and your agency yeah. too. Yeah, and your, your agency and you're getting its recognition. So how the hell is it, how kind of like not to like shame the staff or anything. I'm not, I'm not being a dick or anything, but if you're, if you're upholding your own standards because you work for an agency, so you don't uphold those hospital standards, you uphold your standards. Yeah. It just shows you where your standards are compared to maybe the staff nurses' standards. It's, it's, a, cra- it's a crazy thing, man. Yeah. And I think we probably learn it through travel nursing because we come into you. Because I want to say that I'm not sure how you felt, but I'm sure you feel the same way. Is every time we went into unit, it was Oakland or Santa Monica or or San Diego, Austin. We felt very welcomed, and we we I, I feel like that we've always felt appreciated when we came into work. As travel nurses, even though we're not staff and we don't, you know, we're not as close as the staff is, we know we're helping out these these units. So that's kind of where we learned that, hey, we're actually helping and it made us feel good to be nurses. Because as, as a staff nurse, the work kind of got mundane because you're just a staff nurse. You've been doing this job for two or three years. It's the same shit over and over again. You know, you, you work with the same nurses, you see the same doctors, you have the same patients. No one really appreciates you as much because you're staff, because you're there. Every because you're there every day, you're there all the time. You just you're just part of this big picture that's been there. And now as a travel nurse, you're not part of the big picture. You're something new. You're something new that's coming in, and you actually feel valued that you're coming in because you're helping a short unit. So I think that's maybe what pushes us to do a, do a better job than a lot of staff nurses. If you think about it. Yeah, very good perspective. Uh, one one thing before we end is I didn't know this exists, but you know how there's chucks. Every hospital I worked at there's chucks. This place doesn't have chucks. They have fabric like fabric material almost like a towel that goes underneath this patient and it is rewashed and reused for patients um and i'm now i'm wondering we should i wish we could run a study but we have no funding we have no resources but i wonder if chucks are more beneficial for sheer a breakdown versus this material that's that this hospital is using hmm yeah, I wonder. I wonder how, because the chucks that we use are like paper. Yeah. This is more clothy. But then again, I'm not sure how the moisture affects it, right? Yeah, the, all great questions. And what's, maybe it's more cost effective by having a, a, a piece of material where you could repurpose versus always throwing these chucks out and, and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I was not a fan of like the cloth chucks because they're a little thicker. Sometimes when you're changing a patient, you wipe them with the, with the chuck, with the paper chuck. And I feel like the cloth ones, it's kind of hard to do that. You know, so I, don't, I was never a big, big fan of that. And then plus you got to throw them in the laundry and it kind of smells. So you got to make sure you empty the laundry. I prefer just uh, disposable stuff. But yeah. then again, I'm not sure how that part, that, that part takes in landfills and the whole global initiative and agenda. But a whole different topic for a different day, maybe for a podcast, not yeah. this. All I know is a couple of nurses have been carbon free since 2017. Mm, there you go. You <laughs> see a couple of nurses chucks coming near the hospital soon. <laughs> <laughs> saving saving the hospital carbon footprint one hospital at a time one chuck yes. at a time <laughs> yeah yeah one chuck yeah by by creating by using our chucks we're able to provide nurses more coffee on the unit you know by cutting cutting cost the uh, cost of chucks yes. Yes. save the cuts yeah. yes awesome thank you guys so much for your time thank you guys for tuning in we'll definitely see you on the next debrief thank you so much peace